Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your weekly source to keep you informed on everything about financing your home, where you will hear real facts, no BS. I'm your host, Jennifer Hernandez, a loan officer since 1995, and over 4,300 families financed to date. If you're starting to think about buying or refinancing a home, wonder if you have the right credit, savings, or even income, you're in the right place. On my weekly episodes, I make complicated topics easy to understand. By the way, my license is NMLS 514497. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and don't represent any legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's jump in. Hey, hey, Jen Hernandez, Loan with Jen. Welcome to another podcast episode. Today, we have the privilege of Alex Massa. He, in our local Houston market, is an appraisal phenom. And I'm really glad to have him here today. We're going to pick your brain. Alex, welcome. Jen, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Alex and I met by accident about, I think it's like 12 years ago now, maybe 15. Maybe longer. Yeah, yeah. it's longer because Ariel yeah. is wedding. Yeah, it, it's about 15. We met kind of haphazard via his sister, who's his partner. And they at the time were just doing their appraisal company. So we gave you a chance. You did a great job. Here we are 15 years later. You're one of our main, our main guys. And now you not only have an appraisal company, but you also own and manage an appraisal management company. My first question, what exactly is an appraisal management company? What is that? I'll give you the quick rundown. So prior to the financial crisis of 08, any loan officer, mortgage broker could call me directly and say, Alex, go appraise this house. And what happened was there was a lot of collusion and a lot of influence on the appraiser, which caused the financial crisis, or at least that was part of the problem. So... Back then, they implemented the HPCC that's later been adopted by Dodd-Frank, which basically says you've got to have a firewall in between the loan officer and the appraiser. So an appraisal management company is... A buffer. Yeah, exactly. It's the buffer. Yeah, because back in the day, I and I did, I texted you like, hey, I need so-and-so. Like, I, you know, I did it because I, I knew I could rely on you. Right. And I would say, hey, we need an appraisal in three days. Can you do it? And we do stuff like that. But there are some bad actors, not you, but others in the industry where loan officers and appraisers would get kind of in collusion with each other and these values would miraculously appear. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it was done. I actually really like it now because it's very, it's more arms like that's the way that it should be. And it keeps the bad actors from being worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, out of the ashes of that crisis, Appraisal MC was born. It was Mariella's project. I was running the appraisal company and gave her the chance to figure out what do we need to do to keep our clients and to keep a steady workflow. And one thing that you may not know is Legacy Mutual was our first client at the AMC. So, Oh, we were? Yeah, right on. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that's how far back we go. Oh, wow. Yeah, God, that is pretty far. Well, thanks for today. I've got some specific questions. So first, I will go over, for those listening, exactly just upon what you just explained about appraisal management company. 
I just want to talk about how appraisals are ordered, and then we'll go into some questions about the market. Me, the lender, I'm the originator. I cannot have a say-so in who does the appraisal. Correct. Because I could be in collusions with you, right? That's correct. So we order through this portal, which go. we've chosen your company as our main. We have a few, but I always use you anyway. But we always order through y'all, and y'all do a great job of interviewing and making sure that the appraisers on there are really key appraisers. So we have a lot of confidence in that. So we put an order in. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your automated system at appraisal MC actually round robins, like let's say in a zip code 77042, you have attached to that zip code certain appraisers that you know are close in proximity. Like you're not going to send someone 50 miles away to appraise in that zip code, right? It's pretty much how it works. You know, we've got a, a huge panel across all the states that we service. And Texas is the biggest state that we service. In Houston alone, for example, we've got 90 contracted appraisers. Yeah, that's a lot. When you send an order through, yes, it geocodes and they will pull the three closest appraisers. And from there, we've got a grading scale based on turn time, quality, other things that we measure internally to make sure we select the best appraiser. Not always is the closest appraiser the best appraiser for that property. So there's still a human element that needs to be involved. So the appraiser is chosen. Basically, it'll go to the first person on the list that your AI had chosen. And that appraiser either accepts it or rejects it. So back when we were super crazy the last year and a half or two, they could be like, no, I'm too busy. I reject it. Or it was too low of a price. It was like a bidding war. And we were saying, okay, well, let's up the price so we can get it. So it's calmed down. Thank goodness. It's a little more normal, but that's how it works. So I don't know who's been chosen. So let's say there's three or four that come up on the automatic list. I actually have no clue who is chosen. And this is really the way that it should be. And then that appraiser reaches out to the listing agent or the homeowner if it's a refi. And then the appraisal is done and then we get the appraisal. And then once I receive the appraisal, then I know who the appraiser was. Yeah. So just if you're a homeowner or a realtor listening, no one that's interested in the outcome of the report can be involved in choosing the appraisal. So the buyer, the seller, the agents, the loan officer. So the lender must order the appraisal when there's a loan being done. The lender drives the appraisal process. So that being said, let's talk about the status of the market. So we're in August 2022. We're just on the tail end of a super crazy market. I'm up in the air if I really liked the seller's super backup contract market. There were days where it was fun when my clients were winning offers, and then there's days where it's not so fun. And so it is calming down, but why don't you just kind of overall Houston MSA? I know there's national, but let's talk about kind of the Houston or what you know about Texas. You do appraisals all over Texas. What's the general status of the market right now? Yeah, so we have our finger on the pulse. We do thousands of transactions a month, and it really allows us to see what's happening in the market before anyone sees it. So six weeks ago... In Houston, on average, out of 10 purchase transactions, four to five of them were selling over the list price and not appraising. So it was incredibly competitive late June, early July. And all of a sudden, 
it has completely slowed down. And it could be people are out of town, but we're not seeing as many multiple offer situations. We're seeing more FHA financing being selected. So one thing that was happening, Jen, you know this very well. If you were going with FHA financing and competing against lots of other buyers in the market, FHA financed clients were usually put on the back burner. It could be for a multitude of reasons, but now those FHA contracts are finally being accepted by sellers. So we're in that shift from sellers to buyer's market. We're not quite at the buyer's market yet, but we're seeing the shift. Days on market are increasing. Not as many contracts. There, There's not a fight over sales anymore. Would you say that in some of the lower priced areas that are more affordable, where everyone wants, really not everyone, but a lot of people want to buy, are they still like for us, it's the outer line, you know, like the Katy and the, the good school districts. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a client that lost out to 31 offers. So it's still happening. But are there some pockets that have backup contracts still? Absolutely. I think if you're in a good school district and people are fighting to get their kids into a certain school district and it's usually in the suburbs and you're in a price point, you may have a different feel on this, but I think it's the price point under 400 where it gets really competitive. Four to 600 is somewhat competitive. And then above that, we're, we're back to a normal market. Which is what, by the way, what's normal mean? Normal means that people aren't fighting over properties. You know, prior to the pandemic, Jen, how, how often would you have a multiple offer situation on a property? Not very often. It really wasn't. It wasn't an issue. Even a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes, yeah, it would happen sometimes, but it wasn't like it was these last 18 months now. No, it feels like maybe 50, 60% of properties had multiple offer situations. And, and what's crazy is sellers knew this and they were listing it above what even agents thought these properties were worth and still getting above that list price, which is crazy. That's the thing. And I had a question because this is my take on it and I want to make sure that I'm not misspeaking. So things are definitely slowing down and we knew that they would. That doesn't mean that values are going backwards. It means that they're selling at market value. Have you seen anything sell below market value or are things pretty much selling at kind of market value? I would say 95% are selling at market value. So one thing that appraisers do is we have to fill out a 1004MC, which is a market conditions addendum. And it's basically an addendum that captures and analyzes the trends over a 12-month period. And we have yet to see a market that's in decline in Texas. So we're very lucky in that aspect. And with as much demand as there is, I don't anticipate that happening. There's still a lot of buyers out there. There are a lot of buyers that are currently renting because over the past two years, they just got outbid so often. We hear it all the time. There's a shortage of inventory. There's still a shortage of inventory. If you look at all of Houston, we're still at a two-month supply. Uh, stable supply is six months. So we're still undersupplied and we're not going to see a dip in values, at least not anytime soon. Yeah. I think what's happening is in a short period of time, we almost like overnight it feels the market is correcting. Just like that's what happened months ago in January, February with the mortgage rates. And so it's a hard pill to swallow when you're like, wait a minute, if you're a seller and you're like, wait a minute, I can't sell my house for 10% above anymore. 
Yeah, and, and they don't know what's happening. It happens so quick that agents are just now realizing what's happening and, and sellers are going to be two months behind on that. You know, if you look at the news, they're not talking about that. I think it's still a good time to sell. I mean, I think there's always going to be people coming in and out of the market and it's still a good time to buy. I mean, you you know, renting, wasting money on rent is just not a good long-term plan because it's going nowhere. It's going in the trash can. But for some people, they need to do it, right? But what I'm seeing, unfortunately, on my end, every day I talk to at least one person that says, that's the max you can qualify me for. I, I can't find anything for that. They're looking at stuff that's much higher than what I can approve them for. And so there is an affordability gap. So those people do need to sit out to make more money or make more overtime so we can use a bigger average or improve their credit score so they can qualify for a little bit more. And sometimes they're limited by that. So it's it's hard to tell people no. So I do see or people are like, oh, my God, I can only afford this much. And the house that I'm seeing or that I need is going to give me a payment of this much, even though on paper for me, it they can qualify, but they're like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't go that high. I just can't do it. So people need to either change their budget and figure out what they can live without and cut it or, you know, make more money. Like it it sounds easy, but it's not right. So there's still a gap. The only other thing is is waiting for her in the third week of a row of rates sticking down, which is great which makes things a little bit more affordable. The problem is that prices are still high. The good news is that they're stabilizing. I think this is where we're going to stop. I think this is the peak of the market as far as pricing for a little bit. And what's your take on on rates coming up? I think the high fives and the low sixes could be a reality for a little while. I think we'll see dips here and there. I think that when the recession is going to cure later on, you know, in 18 to 24 months, the government's going to change their economic policy and go, okay, now we need to spur people spending money again. And the way that they do that is they lower the rate. So right. that's what's going to happen. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I've seen it before, but different reasons, but it's all the same economic policy. I mean, it's just basic economics. I think a lot of people will have a refi boom again. I think it's going to be two to three years, but could be sooner. You never know. Right. So it's interesting, but the values, you know, I wanted to just get a gut check on that. I mean, there are some people that think, oh, yeah, the market's just tanking. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. And the issue that we talked about again is the values have already gone up and are inflated already, but they're just going to stabilize right there. So that's going to become the new normal. Look. This might be elementary to you and I because we've been in real estate for so long, but some of the listeners may not know that Texas is still boomtown. Like we're a tax haven because of cost of gas, because of inflation, because of state taxes, people are pouring into Texas. What does that create? That creates demand. One thing I wanted to mention uh, when you were talking about throwing away money for rent, rents are going up. I just talked to a guy that rents a three-bedroom apartment in Cyprus, and his rent is going from eighteen hundred to twenty-six hundred a month. Oh my gosh! For that same apartment, 
with wow. a line of 90 people on the wait list. Wow. Okay. So it, we are in an affordability crisis and chips will fall in the right place. Right now, we're just kind of, we've got the chips in the air. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything that you think we should know that we haven't covered that you think listeners, anyone who's looking to buy or sell a house needs to keep in mind? The news is pessimistic, but I'm still bullish on our market here in Houston in particular. And then we're in Texas. The only market that might be a little bit inflated or a lot inflated, depending on who you are, is the Austin market. We do see that cooling down sales significantly slowing. But here I'm seeing inventory levels stable. I think right now is still a good time to buy. What someone said the other day, you marry the property and you date the rate. Like you said, two or three years, there's going to be another refi boom. Why? Rates will drop. You brought up a really interesting product. And I do want to mention that because I had never heard of it before. And then, yeah, you can close it out. The 2-1 buy down. I'd never heard of that before, but it's a really interesting product to kind of get you through the next two or three years. Yeah. So what it is, is let's say that the rate is six and there's an upfront differential at closing that's calculated. What we do is we make the payment the first year is lower. It's suppressed, like hundreds of dollars cheaper. And then the, the, Second year, it goes up a little bit. It's like you're stair-stepping the payment. So it's like you're deferring interest, right? Because the interest is still the 6%, but for the consumer, it lets them ease into the payment. So that differential between year one and year two, that interest that's not being paid, it's paid up front at closing. I'm trying to explain it really simply. So it's something that the seller can pay. Basically, it's an upfront cost that's prepaying some of the interest for the next couple of years to let the borrower feel a lower payment. Yeah. And so that could be paid by a builder or a seller as long as it meets within the allowable closing cost uh, limits. There's different percentages that will allow to be on a loan. But that could get some people over the hump as long as they have a seller that's willing to pay those things. Yeah. Because obviously the buyer shouldn't pay it because if they had the money to pay it, they wouldn't need the benefit. So that's where seller concessions can come in super handy. So anyway, that's, that's the nuts and the bolts of the 2-1 buy-down. It's just paying up front some of that interest so that the buyer doesn't have as large of a payment shock in the beginning. Yeah. You know? That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good way. So, well, listen, thank you so, so much. And we really appreciate you as a business partner, Alex Massat, Inatech Appraisals and Appraisal MC. What does MC stand for again? Management and Compliance. Oh. Yeah. But we wanted to shorten it. Yeah. All super boring stuff for me. <laughs> I just want the end result. I don't care how the sausage is made. That's why we have you. <laughs> we all want the end result. We're just a piece of the puzzle. All right, Alex. Thanks a bunch. Talk to you soon. Bye. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. 
If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Lone with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.